If you turn in your text this morning to Luke chapter 1, where we begin at verse 39, you're going to see that this passage is about children. It's actually more, more specifically um, about um, a mother and child before the child is born during a time of pregnancy. And um, I was thinking about that this week in light of this message and thinking that um, I'm not sure that there is a more intimate relationship in this world than the relationship that an expectant mother has with the baby inside her as the baby grows. I'm I'm not sure that there is any more intimate relationship that humanity can know. Um, And certainly we have a couple moms walking through that right now. As a staff, we have the joy right now of Rachel Peters being in the office, um, pregnant with child, and just the excitement that she experiences as she walks through all the stuff that goes along with pregnancy. And there are a couple others who are in the church who are pregnant and a couple others who think are pregnant but are not going to ask them because you never do that. Um, But as you just sort of see the experience of expectant mother as the, the, the child begins to grow and all the things that go along with that and eventually um, some of the things like kicking and movement of the baby, there is just such a level of intimacy that comes. And I think as a father, um, you know, when, when the day of actual delivery comes, you know, all of a sudden I'm introduced to the, the child who has come into my family, but I don't have that same connection. I never had that same connection on the day of delivery that, that my wife had, my, Kristen had, for the simple reason that for nine months, this, this baby was her. It was her. It was in her, with her, constantly engaging with her in this relationship of, of nourishment and life. And, and I know for even some, that's one of the reasons why my even thinking about pregnancy is, is painful because for whatever reason, they haven't been able to experience this. And so even hearing this for some moms I know or some people who wish they were moms is a, is a challenging thing, but it's an intimate relationship. And this morning, in this passage from Luke chapter one, we get a picture of this intimacy experienced by two women coming together who through the touch not only of the children that are growing inside of them, but also the touch of the living God, the Holy Spirit. We'll see the Holy Spirit's presence here. Um, we, we see the power of touch in this story of Christmas and in the story of the incarnation. If you would turn with me, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39, we're going to read the story of Mary and her family member Elizabeth. And we'll begin by reading the first two verses. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, just even starting there, there's some things going on that I want to notice with you. Um, The hill country of Judea where Hebron is, and Hebron is the town where Elizabeth and Zechariah live, is south of Jerusalem, and it's south of Jerusalem, it's even further south than Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is maybe 10 to 12 miles outside of the city of Jerusalem. Hebron is a little bit further than that, so if you think about how much you could walk in a day, because Mary was going to make a journey like this, from Jerusalem to Hebron is a day, about, about 20 miles, 
But that's not where Mary began. Mary began in Nazareth, which is another 25 to 30 miles away in the province of Galilee. It's, it's a good distance. So for us to hear that at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town, she got up right after the, the angel met her, because that's what happens in the previous portion of the chapter, right after the, the angel came and, and told her that she was going to bear the Son of God, Jesus, she got up and she hurried. And you have to imagine that that trip was just somewhat chaotic. What happened? What was she thinking? She's a young girl. We're talking about probably a, no more than a 14 or 15-year-old. And she's making at least a two and a half, if not three day journey from Nazareth to Hebron through not easy country to journey through. And as far as we know from the text, she's on her own. Why would she do that? Well, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a 14 year old and suddenly an angel meets you and tells you that without you being with a man, you're going to be pregnant and carry the son of God. Would that rattle you a bit? You think? And think about where Mary lives. She lives in Nazareth. Nazareth is part of Galilee. Galilee is a small province, sort of a backwoods province. And you know what happens in backwoods communities. Everyone knows everybody's business, right? And so if Mary started to talk to people and sought comfort from people in Nazareth and in Galilee, what would happen? The story would get told. And suddenly, people would be looking at Mary like, you hussy. What in the world? How, you're not pregnant with, with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit with the Son of God. You, you slept with somebody. Mary is looking for assurance. She's looking for a touch of assurance. And she knows she can't get it at home. So she takes off to somebody who she can trust. Who can she trust? Elizabeth. That's why she goes. She goes because her heart, her mind, her body, everything about her, especially walking through the beginning stages of pregnancy, she's rattled, she's concerned, she's worried, she has fear, she's wondering what in the world is going on, and she's seeking a touch of assurance, and so she goes to see Elizabeth. How many of you are here this morning seeking a touch of assurance? I don't know about you, but... One of the things that I do, I get up in the morning very early. I'm usually here in the office by 6 a.m. I get to my computer and, and I'll do some things. I do my devotions. I have an exercise bike now in my office, which is a long story I don't want to talk about. And I'll do some stuff on that. And then I'll open up my computer and open up Yahoo. And every time I open up Yahoo, I literally, before I click the button, think, oh no, what are we going to read today? What was said? What was tweeted? What sort of conflict are we in now? What happened overnight that I need to know about today? And in some ways, every morning when I open up my news sites and I read what I read, I'm looking for that touch of assurance too. Because our world around us is crazy sometimes. Our world around us is very unsure our world around us it has a lot of way more questions than we have answers. And when we think about this longing for Mary, a young pregnant girl seeking assurance that everything is going to be okay, it's something that all of us in some ways probably 
probably identify with. Because we live in a very, very unsure world. And look at how in the text, God responds for her need for a touch of assurance. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you know the story, you know there's a reason why the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps when Jesus comes. There's a connection. In fact, Livy, in reading that passage from Mark chapter 1 as she was getting ready to help me light the candle, she was reading a passage from Isaiah. Mark quotes Isaiah about one who comes to prepare the way. Mary meeting Elizabeth is the connection of the one who is to prepare the way for the one who is coming. Elizabeth's carrying John. John who will ultimately be John the Baptist. And later on in the Gospels, he will be the one to baptize Jesus, the Son of God. There's this connection. So as soon as Mary walks in the room, the baby in her womb through God's presence, God's power, God's spirit leaps for joy. That's who he's here for. And the connection between the two babies connects the mothers. All of a sudden, Elizabeth and Mary have this incredible, unique relationship. This is not just a family member who is here to assure a young girl trying to figure out things. Now, all of a sudden, this is two women caught up in a story greater than they can ever think of or imagine, and suddenly they are players in a beautiful play of God's love for the world. So for this baby to leap for joy, you had to imagine what Elizabeth thought. And notice what happens. The Holy Spirit is there. Well, think about the calendar, right? When does the Holy Spirit come on earth as we think about it? Anyone? Pentecost, right? How much longer is Pentecost? It's not for another 30 plus years, right? All of a sudden here, we have the Holy Spirit showing up before Pentecost even comes. Does anyone sort of wonder, like, wow, that's amazing. Does anyone think about that? Because we just get used to the Holy Spirit being present and everything, but the Holy Spirit has not been poured out yet. That doesn't happen until Acts, uh, the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. You get the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that the disciples are told by Jesus to wait for. But here, even before that ever happens, the Holy Spirit shows up. And you have to wonder what Elizabeth felt like when that happened. Maybe some of you know and remember the moment when the Holy Spirit came upon you. Can anyone remember that moment for the first time? Some of you can. And I praise God for that. Many of us cannot. But I certainly know moments when I have experienced the Holy Spirit's presence in a powerful, indescribable way. Those moments when all of a sudden something is radically different. I'm filled with something unique that wasn't there before. And you have to think, Elizabeth, when this moment happens, she's got to be asking the question, what's crazy here? What's different here? What's unique here that suddenly I would feel like this? She in that, but instead of being a touch, simply a touch of joy. Remember who Elizabeth is. 
Who is Elizabeth married to? Zachariah. What is Zachariah's occupation? He's a priest. Do you think that Elizabeth knows the story of the Messiah who's supposed to come? She's married to a priest. And all the priests are there to do is to tell the story of God and the hope of God that the Messiah might come and redeem the world. And in that moment of the Holy Spirit coming upon her, she may have wondered, and I certainly believe that to be true, am I a part of the, the story of the Messiah? Well, her knowing the story, she knew that the people of Israel had waited for thousands of years. And suddenly, for her to be a part of something that fulfills that longing of a thousand years, yeah, that's joy. And when that's joy, that joy comes, there's nothing that we can do but jump. I'll, I'll never forget, I had a moment, uh, and it wasn't that long ago, actually, uh, eight years ago, or yeah, about seven and a half years ago, um, I, I gone through Calvin Seminary for three years. And I had gone through all the stuff that seminary is. It's a lot of classwork. It's a lot of tests. It's a lot of languages. There were a lot of struggles and challenges for Kristen and I and our family. There were times, I, I think I quit seminary three different times during the three years that I was in seminary because it was hard. And then you get to, and I, I want to say it was like May 20th or May 21st, 2010. Not that that date is important to me, but it was that date that I graduated from seminary. You get your robe on, you walk up to the front and you get a diploma from, from two people and a handshake and then you walk out and everybody takes pictures. And I can remember we had a party at our house afterwards and there were some things going on at our house that lots of family there and friends there and we had a great time, it was a great day. Um, but I remember later on that evening after everyone had gone and then we were cleaning up and I was outside because it was like one of the like four days that you can be outside in Michigan most of the time. So I was outside and I was, I was cleaning up some of the stuff and I just remember all of a sudden being filled with this. I'm done. It's over. I can do what I've been preparing to do now for the first time in all these years. And I can remember, it was just this lightness. Like all of a sudden, it didn't matter what I had to pick up. I could pick up double what I did before. If I had to move chairs, I could move instead of four, I could move eight. If I had to do this, I was doing it quick. I was doing it fast. Why? Because there was a lightness. That joy comes upon us and it fills us. And it's almost like we can't get enough breath because our lungs are so big and the fullness of our joy and our life is so full. And I just imagine in that moment that Elizabeth, even though she's six months along in her pregnancy, you have to imagine the size of a six-month woman almost going like this. Like the joy of knowing that she was a part of the story of the fulfillment of the story of Israel that had gone on for thousands of years. When we're touched with that sort of joy, that's part of what happens. And the passage continues, 42 and 43. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In that moment, remember why Mary had come. Mary had come from Nazareth in order to get a word of assurance. And Elizabeth didn't even say hello to her. 
The first words out of her mouth were these. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you were, but you will bear. Mary's looking. What do you think she's thinking? Am I going to be okay? Is everything going to be all right? You know, she's probably starting to get worried about the baby because that's what expectant mothers do. Is the baby going to be okay? Is every, what am I going to do when I get home from all this? And the first words that are uttered to her from this woman who she was seeking a touch of assurance is simply this, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. And what's really interesting about this Remember what it said in the previous verse. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. So who is saying these words to Mary? Is it Elizabeth? Actually, I don't think so. These are God's words to Mary. See, he had come with an angel to blow up her world. He had come with an angel to mess up everything. Who knows what plans she had? She was betrothed to Joseph, so she had plans of marriage, but maybe there were other things, and now all of a sudden this child coming, begotten by the Holy Spirit, messed up everything, and God, in those words through the angel, had blown up her world, and now through a Holy Spirit coming upon Elizabeth, he said, but everything's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You're going to be fine. I'll be with you because I love you and I have a plan for you. It's funny, isn't it? In our world, when we're seeking assurance, oftentimes God uses others to speak it to us. I'm privileged that I'm married to a woman who often speaks words of assurance to me. It's going to be okay. You know, I think we're in the process of wedding planning right now. And there are times when both of us get a little frazzled already. But both of us are speaking those words to each other. It's going to be okay. We'll get through this. And not only will we get through this, it'll be beautiful. And it'll be something that we have joy for. It's amazing how God speaks through us. It's one of the reasons, friends, why we come together to worship. It's one of the reasons why we ask you to head down to the fellowship hall and gather a little. It's one of the reasons why I believe during our time before the service and after the service, when we speak to each other, laugh, tell stories, check in with each other, uh, moms and dads checking in, uh, the check-in for children's ministry, seeing how things are going, checking up on plans. It's in those moments oftentimes that God is speaking through us one to another, assuring us, I am with you. It's why the people of God God, who is God calling you to be assurance to? Who is God using you to touch with words of blessing? Because that's what Mary, or that's what Elizabeth's words, right? That's what she said. She said, blessed are you. She spoke a blessing into Mary's life. Who is God asking you today to touch with a blessing? Because there are people here who need it. There are people here who are coming with questions and concerns. There are diagnoses in the room that are big. There are marriages in the room that are struggling. There are relationships between parents and children and and children and parents that are challenged. There are people who are coming here with financial burdens and and, and struggling with any number of things. We've just gone through Thanksgiving, which is so low stress because we have to spend time with family, isn't it? There are people here who are still recovering from that and you 
can be that blessing to them. You can be the touch of God's blessing, his words, in the same way that Elizabeth was to Mary. And you can also be blessed if you're willing to listen, to hear, and to participate. Elizabeth, in her words, blessed an inexperienced mother-to-be with assurance. But that's not all she did. 44 and 45. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Now it's interesting because, especially in verse 45, we see it sort of shift. It's not just a descriptor. It's now a little prescriptive in Elizabeth's words to Mary. She's saying, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. In Elizabeth's words, God is saying to Mary, I've given you promises. I've said things to you. When the angel came, you can flip back just a page and see what the angel said to Mary, what words God spoke through that angel to tell her of what was ahead. But she had to believe it. And Elizabeth's words to Mary were an assurance that if you continue to believe, you have to know that I'm God. And when it comes to promises, what does God do? Always. He always keeps his promises. This is where Elizabeth is touching Mary with a touch of faith. I believe it, Mary. I believe that God's going to take care of you. Can you believe it too? Friends, for us to hear that for ourselves, especially in a world that seems to have gone mad sometimes, Do we know that God has the whole earth in his hands? Do we know that? Yes? If you believe that, say yes. All right? Do you know that God has a plan for you to prosper you, not to harm you, a plan for the hope and the future, and that's a personal plan and a corporate plan for all of his people, which is what the text says. Do you believe that? Okay? Do you believe that there is coming a day when all things are completed, when Christ returns to earth with sound of trumpet, that things might be fully and completely redeemed and all things made new? Do you believe that? If you do, say yes. All right. So if all those promises are true and you believe it, it means that each day, no matter what it looks like when we open Yahoo in the morning, That we have faith that God's promises are real. That we believe no matter what our circumstances, no matter how difficult the road is ahead for your marriage, no matter how difficult the road ahead is for your economics, no matter how difficult the road ahead is, is for your relationships, no matter what challenges, what meetings, what family gatherings, what burdens you bear, thinking about what is ahead, no matter what it is, that you can be assured that the end of the story, and even in the, in the, the middle of the story, that God is present, and at the end of the story, it redeems it, so you and I can live each day in the assurance that what promises God has made to us, he will keep, we can trust him. We can trust him with everything. And it's funny to me, not funny, it's striking. It's striking to me 
that this time of year, this Christmas season, is the most stressful, depressing, and even the time of the most people harming themselves in the calendar year. Why? Because while we hear the story of God coming to earth to redeem all things and fulfill his promises to us, oftentimes we simply don't believe them. Friends, if you believe the story, if you trust the story, and not only if you trust the story of God's word, if you trust the story of God in your life, how many of you have had times of assurance in your life from God? Anyone? How many of you have had times of blessing from God? Anyone? How many where God has touched you with joy in those moments is that we can trust him? Order in your purse or any what is the time to mirror your dashboard? And be reminded that because of blessing, because of assurance, because of joy, you and I can live into faith. To that end, would you pray with me? Living God, hope of the world in Jesus Christ. On that day, you touched Elizabeth in a powerful, unique, and beautiful way. A way that changed her reality. You touched her with great joy. And out of that joy, Lord, she spoke blessing and assurance to somebody who needed it. Lord, I pray that we can hear that for our own lives. And those of us who have experienced that unbridled joy, that unbridled joy of knowing you are with us, that you love us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, you will never let us go, that we can then speak those words to others. And if others speak them to us, that we can hear them, Lord, with faith, trusting that you, the God who makes promises, always, always, always keeps them no matter what the circumstances are. I pray, Father, that we can live then in that, remembering those places so that our lives may be completely impacted every day by that faith, that thing that you call us to grow, believing in something we can't always see, but we can believe because we are reminded you've shown up in the past and you will again in the future. Lord, we pray you move in our hearts to that end today because you're the only one who can do it. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said together.